anyone that's made it at the highest levels found one thing and they stuck with it to the longest. And they're like, but Elon Musk has $10 billion companies. I'm like, sure. You're comparing your chapter number one to someone's chapter number 75. Look at Elon 25 years ago when he first started his first company. What did he do then? That's the Elon you need to study. You want to study people's early on chapters and you want to find one thing and just stick to that thing. Because at the end of the day, that's really one of my things that I've always lived by is focus. You've got to be focused, man. You've got to find one thing and go as vertical in that thing as possible before you diversify. At some point, yes, you want to diversify, but in the beginning, you want to focus on one thing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to the Free Retiree Show, episode 166. Today, we're going to be giving you a business and thought leader edition of our show. And today, we'll be discussing the importance of planning and finding your why in your career and business. Super important. And if you've ever wondered what it takes to build a seven-figure business, you are not going to want to miss this episode. We'll be talking about what it takes, e-commerce. We've got a wonderful expert with us. We have Bashar Katu. He's joining us today on this episode, and he's the founder of BJK University, which is a community and online course that teaches people how to grow an Amazon business. And Bashar, he is today living in Miami, living the life, probably drinking pina coladas, but he's got an interesting background. He immigrated from Iraq in 2006, had a business that burnt down and went bankrupt in 2015. And through it all, he's been able to create this very successful life and business and has a lot of experiences behind it. So without further ado, Bashar, how are you doing today? I am doing excellent, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited to have you on the podcast, man. I've been stalking you online for quite some time, and it's an honor to have you on the podcast. And first question, the mustache, man. It looks like a Tom Selleck, like Hulk Hogan-esque blend. <laughs> and I just got to know, what's the upkeep it takes to build that mustache? And how? You know, what was the decision behind it? For listeners, it looks great. I know we're on a podcast and stuff, but he's got a very slick mustache. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Upkeep, honestly, a lot of twirling all day. Uh, but that also is the reason I guess it doesn't grow any any longer because I'm always twirling it and I'm always pulling hair, hair pieces out of it. But as far as how it came about, it was actually right after 2015 when I lost my restaurant. I went into depression for about six months and I grew out a beard. I had a big beard. As I was coming out of that, I went to the barber and he was like chopping up my beard. And I was like, oh, I've got a little mustache there. And since I was a little kid, I was very inspired by Egyptian soap operas that my mom and sister used to watch as I was growing up in Iraq. And all these guys had these big, thick mustaches. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't you keep that for a little bit? Let's see what happens. And that was 2015. Eight years later, it's still there. I love it. It's one of those things too. It's at the edge. You can see the twirl of it. So when you're thinking and you're just twirling, it just makes you look even smarter, even if you're just thinking. That's one of the cool <laughs> aspects of the mustache. But I love it. I wish I could do it. Honestly, I tried to grow a beard and mustache at one point in my life. Look like a possum on chemo. It doesn't just come out the right way. That's <laughs> all patchy and stuff. So I'm just jealous of it. But well done on the mustache. But going back into what we're talking about today, your business acumen, your track record, it's fantastic. But Give the listeners a little bit about what you've done with your courses and your Amazon business. I gave them a little bit, but why don't you tell the listeners in your own words what you've done? Just over the last couple of years, we've done a little over $30 million in revenue online with 
program sales with selling on Amazon. I still am a full-time Amazon investor. And because that's just something that really helped me out a ton and, and obviously afforded me the life that I have. So it was right after 2015 when my restaurant burned down. I I want to do something completely different. It was always in retail. I always owned restaurants. And I had met a friend who said he works from home. I was like, what does that even mean? And he turned me into YouTube and then it was an eye opener. And from there, just things haven't been the same, man. I got exposed to anything, everything that your listeners probably get exposed to once they go on YouTube and try to search how to make money online or whatever else. And I got into probably half a dozen different things, got scammed a whole bunch, lost <laughs> a bunch of money in crypto. And and then from there was just this Amazon thing. It just stuck to me, really. And launched a few products, didn't work. My ego was too big to say, I'm going to take a course. I'm going to learn from someone because I was a 25-year-old kid wanting to learn from an 18-year-old kid. I was like, nope, not going to happen. And finally, mm -hmm. I swallowed my ego, borrowed my girlfriend's credit card at the time, bought that course, shittiest course I've ever bought in my life. But it taught me two, three things that I was really missing. And I realized, okay, that's why this product didn't work. Fourth product was a success. 130 products launched since then. But that was about eight years ago. And now we're here. Going back to the beginning part, the things that you tried that didn't work, can you give us a little bit of like <clears throat> why they didn't work? I see this with businesses all the time. They get this bug and they're like, oh, I'm going to do this. And this is going to be fantastic. And in their mind, they've got it all planned out and how it's going to work. And then it just, it bombs more often than not. I mean, to be honest, that one always paint a picture about going into business can be really great. But I've met very few folks that from the get-go, they had a lot of success. That's rare to me. And there's generally failures involved. So for you, what were those failures and why did they happen? So my Amazon business was actually my business number eight. My consulting business is business number nine. <laughs> Seven businesses prior to that all failed. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so a lot of failure, definitely. And my restaurant business was probably one of the biggest. I lost about half a million dollars and came out of it with about 150K in debt. So that was like my, my kind of my big story there. It's, I think we all have ego somewhere. Some of us more than others. Some of us have it in check more than others. And I feel like that's especially for men. It might be a little less for a woman, but I've seen that as well for a woman. But I think it's more for men is we just have this big ego that really just closes our eyes to so many possibilities and so many things. And it's, I'm not going to learn from this guy. I'm not going to listen to this person. What qualifies this person to teach me? What I've realized is that sometimes we'll go into this, like trying to figure it out on your own type of thing. And you'll spend really waste weeks, months, probably even years trying to figure this thing out. And then you'll come out of it with say five steps to this thing that you believe that those are the steps to success. But there might be a sixth step that you don't know about. And because you've never done it, you don't know that the sixth step exists. For me personally, I was watching John Taffer Bar Rescue in 2013 and 14, thinking that I know now how to run a successful restaurant. Freaking reality TV show. Mm -hmm. Trying to take notes. Literally, I think it was every Thursday or Friday evening. I would show up with my notebook and like taking notes. John Taffer, you know, turning rescues bars and stuff like that. And me thinking that I'm going to get everything I need to be successful on Amazon, uh, as a restaurateur. But obviously there, they don't talk about the food cost. They don't talk about... <laughs> What it takes to advertise and get yeah. people. It's like, he does this and then there's like a line out the door of people that want to come and check this thing out. And it's like, yeah, they don't talk about how he made that happen. They don't talk yeah. about that. This is his like 1700 rescue to where he actually now got here. That's not how he started. 
And so I feel like that's one of the biggest things why we get into that and fail. Absolutely. I think it's the perception versus reality. It's the knowledge that we lack, but we think we know, right? Because the ego, you mean, this thing, ego that you talk about, you're right. I think some men struggle with it more. And from my own personal background, I think I probably struggled with that in the beginning of my career too. And it took having a mentor and embracing the fact that I didn't know anything yes. and being more of a student. And that's really what it takes. So what's your tips for people that are starting off? We talked about embracing the fact that you don't know shit and you really need to learn. But what other things do you think are involved? Stop listening to the mainstream media and to your sister-in-law and everyone else out there that maybe found luck in a stock or a crypto or whatever that was able to put in a few dollars and then turn it into a couple hundred or a couple thousand or whatever the number is. And find one thing and stick to that one thing. There's this whole notion of seven streams of income, not like success. Millionaires have seven streams of income. I'm like, I haven't seen a millionaire that has seven streams of income. Anyone that's made it at the highest levels found one thing and they stuck with it to the longest. Yeah. And they're like, but Elon Musk has $10 billion companies. I'm like, sure. You're comparing your chapter number one to someone's chapter number 75. Mm -hmm. Look at Elon 25 years ago, when he first started his first company, what did he do then? That's the Elon you need to study. Don't study the Elon that bought Twitter and went and fired 80% of the staff and now is making more money than they ever did. Don't look at that Elon. That's not, the, you're being unfair to yourself. And so that's who you want to study. You want to study people's early on chapters and you want to find one thing and just stick to that thing. Because at the end of the day, that's really one of my, one of my things that I've always lived by is focus. You've got to be focused, man. You've got to find one thing and go as vertical in that thing as possible before you diversify. At some point, yes, you want to diversify, but in the beginning, you want to focus on one thing. That's absolutely true. People that are just searching and they haven't really put out a plan of like where, what they're going to do. So what happens is they go in every direction trying to find success and they just get lost. Have you seen that with the people that you teach? Is that part of the journey of trying to get them like, hey, no, stop thinking about a little sparkly object over here, a sparkly object over here. Just focus on the goal and the path. Yeah, so literally, I think the first video in my program is a video that I call Focus. Focus on, Focus stands for, in my dictionary, focus on one course until successful. Whole notion of that video is, you've probably been listening to five other guys, including myself, over the last, whatever, two, three, six months, 12 months, whatever it is. And you finally made a commitment and said, okay, I like this guy, I like his mustache, whatever it is, I'm gonna go for it. That's what got me so. You want to... <laughs> you want to literally now forget about everyone else and just focus on this one person's advice. Because if you're going to try to implement my advice and also this other person's advice and that other girl's advice, it's not going to work. Not saying that I know more than them or vice versa. It's just that trying to do all of it at the same time is not going to work because I have my own strategies. They have their own strategies. Now, with that said, I do believe in this thing that I call discovery phase. The discovery phase is when you don't know what the hell you want to do. You're lost. This was me 2015, right? Before I found Amazon, I also tried 17 other things. And I think it's important. So if you are someone in college right now in your early 20s, whatever it is, or maybe you are, you're 45 and you just got fired, right? And you're like, screw this. I'm not going to work for anyone anymore. I'm going to go and do some, my own thing or whatever it is, right? You want to take two, three, four months and commit to finding the next thing. And not just grab the first thing that attracts you and going after it. 
Try multiple things. That's okay. Try two, three, four, five things. But what you should be looking for is someone to show you the way, not you trying to figure it out because it just almost never works out that you're going to figure it all out. And as you said, you've never seen someone that just like out of the bat, out of the park, just knocks it out the park. You want to find someone that has done it at a successful level. And regardless what it is you're trying to do, even if you're trying to go to Mars, there's a couple of people that have already figured out almost how to do it. So yeah, regardless what it is you're trying to do, <laughs> someone else has done it successfully, just tap into their success. The why part, I think when you were saying like you try a couple of different things, that part of like how you recommend people find their why, what's that journey look like? I know it's, that's probably one of the most underrated conversations around what creates a successful business. Everyone thinks I can make a lot of money doing that. I gotta make a lot of money doing that. But what I've seen working with numerous business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, the ones that generally make it also, they got their why. There's more emotion and heart behind what they're doing versus the person that's, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to make money, money. I feel like that part's a struggle, right? Because they really haven't committed their heart and their soul to whatever they're doing. So what's your advice on like how you find that? Why? How'd you find your why? What does that look like? Yeah. I recently watched a video where someone asked Richard Branson, the question was, you've built not one, not two, but multiple billion dollar companies. How do you go about doing that over and over? Like, how do you even have time to manage all these? He's like, I don't. It's very simple. Three simple steps. Number one, figure out a reason, build a vision on how you're going to change the world, right? It's about changing the world. Number two, find the best people in the world that can make that happen and provide them all the resources needed to make that happen. Number three, get the fuck out of their way. Right, Because usually we self-sabotage and we get in people's ways. It's very important that if you look at what I just said earlier, you're going to see that the first step wasn't about find the biggest idea or figure out how to solve this problem or whatever, although these are important. What he said is figure out how you're going to change the world. Right, At a smaller level, smaller scale, now this is building a billion-dollar company. Let's just think, it, again, the college student, right? The 20-year-old that's mm -hmm. watching this, that's, okay, cool, bro. I'll think about that in 20 years. Let me make my first 10K now. You know what I mean? And then I'll figure out <laughs> how to build a billion-dollar company. Okay. It's very important that you figure out what is the thing motivating you every day? Why do you want to, you want to make 10K a month? Okay, cool. Why do you want to do that? That's really important, figuring out why do you want to do that? Because it's never... The road to success is never a direct line. There's going to be turbulence. There is going to be, we have, we've coached nearly 6,000 people in our community. Combined between me and our coaches, we have over 25 years in selling on Amazon. We've launched probably a couple hundred products and a few thousand products combined with our community. Yet still, we'll have students that come through after a couple months of struggles, they drop off. Why? Because their why was not strong enough. The thing driving them was not strong enough. When I came out of having lost half a million bucks, being $150,000 in debt, I pretty much was like, all right, whatever, all these dreams that I was thinking about, that's like fantasy land. This is reality. This is real life. And I went into this like victim mentality, victimhood for three, four months. And I was just blaming myself for everything, blaming the rest of the world for everything that had happened to me. But then it was that, I looked around and I had my parents that I wanted to retire. At the time, my dad was like 74. My mom was 62. They were elderly. That provided us pretty good life. But I really wanted to give back to them. I had met someone six months prior 
And I really felt like she was special and I wanted to provide her a great life. And at the same time, I had $150,000 of debt that I wanted to clear. So now, although at the time I didn't know it, but now looking back, it's holy shit. Those were strong reasons that regardless what life was throwing at me, I still found something inside of me to get up in the morning and say, okay, it's terrible. Yep, I get it. You've got debt collectors calling. You've got employees calling you, threatening you to beat your ass if they see you anywhere. Sure. <laughs> but you know yeah. what? We have all these other things. We have this thing that this North Star that's pulling me in the future. I got to get up. I got to make it happen. And trust me, I did not feel like doing it 99.9% .9 of the time. But that's why having a strong why is very important because, again, life will throw at you a bunch of shit and you got to have that thing that's going to keep pulling you. Yeah. Yeah. And then when shit hits the fan, if you don't have that, you'll lose yourself or you quit. But yeah, that why pulls you forward. Like you said, when you're at your lowest low and it's bound to happen, right? For all of us, we're going to have points where we just get that gut punch. But that's why that why more often than not can it differentiates the people that get success and those that fail. Yeah. Going back to where you started, came to the United States in 2006. What was that like being an immigrant coming from Iraq over to here, culture shock difference. What did you feel like about where you came from and then being in Detroit? Definitely a culture shock. That's like an understatement, right? So we moved to Detroit first. We didn't have, we had a couple cousins there, but we didn't have any close family. We didn't have a whole lot of money coming in. We were pretty much broke, flat out broke. I didn't know the language. It didn't really have resources to start. And so it was just like, here we go. Now here's this new life and go figure it out. I came here. My father was still back home in Iraq. So it was my mom was here a couple of years before us. And me and my older brother came to America. And it was like, okay, now this is our life. We got to figure it out. So for me, the very first thing that I knew I had to do was I got to learn English. Like that, that was the first thing that I knew I had to do. It's like, I was 16 years old. Doesn't matter what's happening. I got to figure out English. And, and so it was, we came on June 6, 2006. So 06, 06, 06, weird day. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, it was in June. And so we had a couple of months before school started. I went to summer school and I took ESL and I just would literally study my face off and I would open the dictionary, learn new, whatever new words I would learn. And every day I had an Arabic dictionary. I had an English dictionary. Every day, whatever words I learned, I would write them down, put them in sentences, translate them to Arabic, study them every day. At the end of the week, I would review all the words that I had learned that week, and I would study them all. And literally, I took three months where I just studied English. That's all I did. And I think this kind of goes back. I didn't know it at the time, but it goes back to the whole thing of focus. Mm -hmm. If I also was trying to focus on whatever else and five other things, I probably wouldn't have learned English as well as I did and as fast as I did. So by the time I started school in September, October, whenever school starts, I wasn't good at English, but I could hold a conversation. And from there, I went into 10th grade. So I went to high school and I was able to pick up, but it was pretty difficult, man. It was really difficult. And it just needed, it took a lot of commitment. It took a lot of focus and commitment. And it was just one thing at a time. And that mindset though, when you're coming to the States, what do most immigrants <laughs> feel like when they're coming to the States? They feel like there's just way more opportunity 
or do they feel like, oh, this is going to be tough because the language barrier and all that stuff? What was going through your mind when you made that change? It's a good question. So my mom did a good job at selling me that there is a lot more opportunity here, I think. So that was that. In terms of immigrants altogether, like as a general, as an umbrella, I think one of the reasons why people migrate into other countries, into other lands is for better opportunities, or at least for just safer environments. Like for us, the invasion in 2003 and living through it for three years, I mean, dude, like we saw action movies in real life. Oh, yeah. God. I'm talking about car bombings. I'm talking about walking around after a, an explosion and, ha and finding human remains on the street, like an arm and a leg and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so living with that, uh, it was just very traumatic. And so the very first thing was like, screw the opportunity. I just want to be able to make sure that if I go to sleep tonight, I'm actually going to wake up tomorrow and there's not going to be something falling into my living room. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that was the biggest thing, at least for us at the time. And then from there, you then start realizing that, holy shit, there is all this opportunity here now that I can actually do. Because in Iraq, I was a little younger, but I just couldn't imagine being in my 20s, 30s. And planning 10 years in the future, 20s in the 20 years in the future, I'm going to get married, I'm going to have a wife and kids, and I'm going to have this business, and I'm going to build this, and like how I have right now. Uh, I just couldn't imagine that, man, because you just didn't know what the hell was going to happen. Someone knew was going to come into power in four years and completely destroy the country. But it's not like here. It's okay. Democrats are a little better at this. They suck at this. The Republicans are better at this. Look at that. We can deal with it. It's four years. Hopefully they go out of office. Hopefully this guy comes in and makes it better. It's not like that. Someone can come in and completely destroy everything that was there. And it's been 20 years since the invasion. Almost everyone that has come to power in Iraq has been about me and my party. Let's steal as much as possible. Otherwise, we're probably going to get shot. We're going to get killed. Let's steal and get the hell out of here. And so it's never been about the country. The country now is like worse than it was in the 1930s and 1940s. When you hear like people from the U.S. bitch about the political system, you must just laugh, right? You're just like, you have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see a lot of kids nowadays, especially even in like in my community, people that come from Iraq and stuff like that, that are first generation Americans. And I see about the things that they talk about and complain about. I'm like, you should just go to visit. Not a week, not a day, just a couple hours. Go drive around for a couple hours. Maybe go to a couple restaurants. Yeah. And then come back. Enjoy the and then town. Let's just, and then let's just see what the conversation is going to be like. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it definitely is laughable when I see people complain about what we have here. Coming from there, do you think that was an advantage? Obviously, on the surface, right? It, it is an absolute disadvantage with your background. But do you think somehow, some way, that might have helped mold who you are? I don't have disadvantages. I only have advantages. And that, I think that's a mindset. When I was a little kid, my brother said to me, I don't know what, I, what had happened. I had fallen, broken my foot or something had happened. I was like maybe four or five years old. It was the first piece of advice and principle that I had learned that 25 years later would literally impact my life. That's If you were to tell me what's the biggest thing that you can say, I would say that thing. And he whispered in my ear and he said, I don't even know where he had heard it or why he even said it. He said, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. Two months before my restaurant burned down, I had just turned things around and increased our sales by 60%, right? Yeah. The, reason why, the reason why my restaurant burned down and the reason why I had no insurance was because the prior three years, 
I sucked at running a restaurant. I didn't have money to pay for insurance and I didn't have money to have someone professional come and do our gas piping. I had just a friend of a friend come do it. And that's why we had a gas leak. That's why the restaurant burned down. So it kind of all goes Mm -hmm. back to that. But when my restaurant burned down, I was like, literally, I was like on my knees praying and I'm like, why? Like if this had happened two months ago, I would have said, okay, you know what? Whatever. Fuck it. Like I just turned things around. But I heard my brother whisper in my ears saying everything happens for a reason. And about three years later, it took me three years to find out what the reason was. And sometimes I feel like we don't realize what's going on. We feel like everything is happening to us. We're victims. Life sucks. But we don't realize that sometimes certain doors need to close in our faces for other doors to open, for us to make the old has to go for the new, to, for us to make room for the new. So I do believe that it's all an advantage and that everything happens for a reason. I do believe that everyone walks on earth to serve a specific mission. Some of us live 10 years. Some of us live 110 years. Some of us go on to be Elon and change the world. Some of us give birth to someone like Elon. Mm -hmm. It's never talked about. But I feel like I have a mission and I have a purpose to be served here. And and I feel like everything happens for a reason. So again, it's all a mindset. hundred percent, man. I love that because my saying is the road to success is built on bricks and those bricks are called failure. And I think all too often we're all like ashamed, right? To fail. No one wants to fail. You want to always portray to society that you've never failed. But I think the big crossover between the people that, deviate towards the successful road and the ones that don't are the ones that embrace the failure. And they're like, all right, let's, there's gotta be a better reason. This is going to shake out, or I'm going to use this experience to make myself better. And it seems like that's what you did, right? That's gotta be disheartening though, right? When you lose a business like that with no insurance. And when it happens, it's definitely disheartening. But again, if you do believe that everything happens for a reason, like right now we're going through a downturn in our company. We've shrunken revenue, we've shrunken size, we've shrunken a lot of things. But again, because I believe that everything happens for a reason, because I have a longer term vision, because the why is so strong, it's yeah, okay. Just a kind of a bump in the road. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to the planning part, like we've got the why, you've definitely nailed it home and given us a lot of reasons why we got to have that nailed down. But let's talk about the plan. Like when you're starting off from the beginning, A lot of times I see business owners just struggle for years, right? They might be in business, but they're not making any money from year on and year over year. And I think a lot of it has to do with not having a good plan and not being able to be adaptable. But starting with the plan, like what is it that you advise for people to do when they're starting off and building this plan? First of all, you got to think about this as This is long-term, right? Nothing great happens overnight. It all happens gradually. It all happens over time. And I think, I don't know where I saw a stat. It said that over 80% of startup businesses fail within the first two years. 80% of that 20% remaining go three to five years without a single penny in profits. Like only a small percentage actually makes it. And even those, only a small percentage makes it beyond 10 years. And I think that it's like a 10-year thing where if you make it beyond 10 years, there's a bigger possibility that you'll actually be in business longer term. Mm -hmm. But I think what happens is oftentimes, especially like the last 10 years, this whole notion of entrepreneurship is made sexy with Instagram and social media and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And everyone is an entrepreneur in their bio, right? Everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. But 
an entrepreneur doesn't mean that you have a laptop somewhere and you're running this whatever business and you're by yourself and work two hours a week or whatever. And you want to just sip margaritas on the beach and you want to be an entrepreneur. That's not entrepreneurship. That's a side hustle. That's like a hobby. That's like having something on the side that you want to do. And that's cool. I'm not speaking down on that. If that's what you want, that's awesome. I love that for you. But if you want to build a real company, like if you think of, if you look at what, look up the definition of entrepreneurship is those that are willing to take greater than average risk and wanting to accomplish something greater than average. And if you're willing to take that risk, it's important that you understand that this is a long-term game. And it's important that you understand that, you know what, that you might come across a few things that will fail, but it's about the end game. And the end game is not six months from now. The end game is like 50 years from now. And so the, that's the very first important thing. The second thing I think it's important is like what I was talking about earlier is this whole discovery thing, figuring out what it is you want to do really and sticking to it and focusing on that one thing. And then just saying for the next two years, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to focus on this one thing and just stick to this one thing. And then there's this whole other notion of, Tony Robbins talks about it, of science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. So he says the sign of achievement is like you figuring out what do you want to do, having a goal, accomplishing it, becoming a doctor, becoming a lawyer, becoming the world heavy champion or whatever it is, right? Getting a belt in this or that. But then the art of fulfillment is where you actually do something that you love. It's where, you know, the, people say, if you find what you love, you'll never work a day in your life, right? That thing that it's like, yeah, I don't need to take Saturday, Sundays off. I don't need to take vacations. I can if I want to, but I love it. Just really enjoy it. You don't get here until you figure, until you find success. So again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's a long-term game. You got to figure out what you want, go into different things, Find your why. Once you find your why, stick to it at least two years. Once you have created some type of success, then you want to go from that into, okay, what is the thing that now fulfills me? And this is why personally I started BJK University because making money on Amazon was cool. Cleared my debt, did all that stuff. But then I was like, all right, I don't see myself doing this for, the, for 10, 20, 30 years from now. It's got to be a much bigger than just that. That's when it becomes about other people than just about yourself. That's great, man. So going to the university, how did that start? And what are you guys currently working on right now? The university started in 2019, and it was just personally wanting to give back to other people. Few people, few friends reached out, wanted help, helped them out, found success, felt really good. And that's where I went from the, the science of achievement to the art of fulfillment, right? That's where I found fulfillment. Started BJK University in 2019. Right now we've coached a little over 6,000 people. We have a team of about 40 people there. And, uh, and the goal right now, our mission is to impact a million lives at a time by disrupting the education system. Just because the traditional education system personally failed me and mm -hmm. failed most of my team. And we want to change that because we feel like the education, the traditional education system has had a monopoly at providing people with a quote unquote better life. People always want better life, always want more things to do. And you need a skill. And, and we want to provide people with other ways, alternatives to generate that skill, to generate a better life. So right now we're in the Amazon FBA niche, just because that's what I did. Over the next few years, we want to provide people with different skills. And so that whether that's other ways of making money online, whether that's completely different, but essentially I want to create full impact for people. And that's 
a well-rounded person. So you're financially, you're, then I want to tackle your relationships, your emotion, fitness, your emotion health, your, your physical health, your, your generational wealth, just a fully, a fully impacted person is the goal. It's the long-term vision. Yeah. When it comes to putting together like an online course, what do you think the differences between the ones that are excelling and the ones that aren't? Is there some secret sauce that you figured out that works when it comes to building an online business? I think in the beginning, it's it's about, I was at a Tony Robbins event recently and he said, all business is innovation and marketing. You innovate, you market. You innovate, you market. That's all, pretty much all it is. And so it's about finding something that actually people resonate with, whether if it's a, and it's got to be a vehicle that that is feasible, that uh, that people can understand and relate to. And then there's got to be a, a person behind it, a person that is relatable, a person that people can resonate with, right? And so whether if that's someone that like, like me that has a mustache or whatever it is, something that's relatable to people. And, and then from there, that's like the first step. That's where you build an offer, quote unquote offer. But then to build a real company, that's when you have to think of building foundation and systems. And unfortunately, 80 to 90% of quote unquote gurus and course creators and content creators online today are offer creators. They're not real companies. Mm-hmm. When they get stuck there and that, that's why you see someone come and go. Someone come and go, or someone is, I call them niche hopping gurus. They NFTs are hot and now they launched the course of how to do NFTs. And then this thing is hot and it chat, chat GBT is hot. And, it's, and then mm-hmm. they just hop from one thing to another because they haven't figured out how to create a real company and it's not easy. And so once it gets difficult, they just hop onto the next thing. Great answer. So how can people find your course? If they want to go to it, check it out, learn about you, where can they go? So I would say probably go to Instagram. That's where a lot of people find us. And that's where we're mostly active. Just search Bishar JK2 on Instagram. It's the one that's got a little over two and a half million followers. There's 10 other people trying to impersonate me. So just make sure that it's the right page. And <laughs> that's how you know you've made it, right? When people are trying to be Bashar. But <laughs> yeah, that must, yeah, hey, pretty... impersonators, that mustache, you cannot impersonate. That is <laughs> one in... 100 million. <laughs> yeah. So you just got just go there. There's a bunch of stuff there that I can show you how to start and learn a little bit more about me and get to know me and things and so on. Awesome. And just to close the episode, a lot of times people in their career, people in their business journey, they go through points where they want to quit and they're like this, they question everything that they're doing. What was your thought process? Like specifically when you thought, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit. This is too much. This is stupid. What was it that turned it around for you? It was the why, man. It was that why. I haven't thought of quitting in a few years now, but in the early on stages, I thought of quitting so many times. Even after I had found success with Amazon and stuff like that, I I thought of quitting. But that's where the why needs to really dry you. It, need, it needs to be something that's important that's going to you actually wake up excited for. It's like... Even if I can't make my monthly rent, even if I'm going to live on the street, that's fine because the why is so strong. And right now, our why and our mission is just so huge. It's something that I probably won't be able to accomplish in my lifetime. And that's the thing that really excites me because it's like, holy shit, there's no stopping here. And it's at a certain point, it needs to stop being about the money because you can only... It can only be about the money for so long until you have so much of it. And it's, okay, so I have a nice house. I can buy a bigger house. I have a nice car. I can have a more expensive car. I can, I'm, I'm 
whatever, I'm rocking a $40,000 Rolex, I can rock $140,000. And then, but what else? Like, it gets tiring, it gets exhausting. And these things only last so long. You'll buy it, you'll wear it. A week later, it's okay, on to the next. But it's going to be about things that are bigger than just the materialistic stuff that we can touch and feel and see. So it's got to be about the why. The why is the very important thing. That's when people ask me, what's the first thing I need to do? If I want to start entrepreneurship, if I want to be successful in life, I'm like, find your why. The bigger, the better. Amazing, man. Oh, amazing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. And Bashar, man, you've been inspirational, man. I love your story. Love everything that you've done in your life and where you've come from. Man, your family's got to be pretty pretty happy, right? Everything you've done. So I, I know they are. I know they are. So thanks for joining us and sharing your tips today. You've been listening to The Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Securities offered through Securities American Incorporated. Member FINRA, www.finra.org. SIPC, www.sipc.org. A separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed for the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is an investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party sourced information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Facebook, Inc. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and Company.